0: Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Good. Welcome to Vineyard Northwest. So happy to see you guys here this morning. Um, We have a really awesome, uh, awesome message this morning. Luke is going to be talking about prayer. We're kicking off a new series called "Praying from Heaven's Perspective." So get ready. Get ready to take a lot of notes. That guy's really smart. And uh, you need like an encyclopedia or like a dictionary for half the message to make sure you can track along, but it's really good. So a couple weeks ago, we had a guest speaker here named Clay Harrington, and it was really awesome dynamic time. I would encourage you to go online and listen to the podcast of um, one of his messages, but there were some really significant things that happened in people's lives, some healing and I'm like inner healing that happened for people as he was here so i just want to take a second and highlight two quick stories deb and chris would you guys make your way up here and we're going to hear from deb and chris about a real um, encounter they had with the holy spirit as as they were prayed for and i just say as you hear them just say say to your own heart hey i I'm open to receiving something like this this morning. I want, I want to walk out of here changed for the better. So, Deb, share with us what your um, encounter with God was like that, that evening.
1: Good morning. I'm Deb. I'm here to tell you that God hears the cries of our hearts. I come from a tremendous amount of loss and brokenness, and I've been crying out to the Lord for the last two years, Be my Redeemer. Come, wade into the mess of my life and clean it up. I'm begging you, Lord. When I came on Saturday, I had been crying all day. I, I was so brokenhearted that day. And when I came forward that night and people prayed, I literally was bowed over from the weight of all the grief and all the brokenness. And it reached the point where I was on my face on the floor before the Lord Just yielding to him. And as I worshiped, because sometimes that's the last thing you want to do, but that's the only thing left to do. And so as I worshiped, the Lord, by his sweet spirit, came to me. And I saw him picking up suitcases and carrying them to a cargo plane. And he came and picked up trunks and carried it to the cargo plane. And he came and picked up boxes and carried it to the cargo plane. He was wading into my mess and cleaning it up. He is a redeemer. Does that mean I'm not sad anymore? No. But it does mean that I am not so devastated. It means I have a tremendous amount of relief and release because he's so good and he hears our cries. Oh,
0: that's awesome. Come on. Come on over, Chris. And that's really good how you put that, Deb. You know, emotions aren't a bad thing. To feel sad, to feel happy... Emotions are okay. It's that oppressive element. It's that feeling like I can't get out of bed. It's I'm stuck in this. And that's what I really hear you saying was lifted and was really healed. So that's awesome, Deb. All right, Chris, let it rip, bro. Uh,
2: yeah, so I'm Chris. I've been coming for about three years now. Um, that, the week of Clay Harrington, uh, I was having a really bad week. Um, I lost my Bible. I lost 175 pages of my poetry book. And it was just really, really hard. Um, so I basically forced myself to go that Saturday night. It was really hard. <clears throat> um, so I'm in the back, and you know, uh, Clay's going awesome. Like he said, go look at the podcast if you haven't checked it out. Uh, and I, I was, he said, come up to the front if you need prayer for physical healing. So I didn't need physical healing, but I needed an emotional healing because uh, I was really angry. Um, so I go up to the front, and I'm just, I'm in a receiving posture, and. All of a sudden, the the spirit just hits me and I fall. I'm I'm out. You know, I'm laid out and in in, on the ground. And he's just saying more Lord, more Lord. And I felt all the anger, um, the bitterness, the anger of unbelievers, the anger of even believers who make you feel less than what you are, or um, you, you're not meant to be here. And I just I knew that that anger was gone. And ever since that day. I've gotten ridiculed. Um, I've gotten talked to by a couple of believers that made me feel that way. I didn't get angry. Um, I didn't hold any resentment. And it was just really cool to know that, like, that's gone. You know, God, just, it's straight gone. I don't have to be angry no more. And the anger is just gone. Come on. That's awesome. So good. Thank,
0: thanks a lot, Chris and Deb. And, you know, our our vision statement in this church is to be a culture that welcomes heaven to earth, and that's part of what heaven coming to earth looks like, is like anger leaving and oppression and depression being lifted off. So that's our hope, that as you're here this morning, heaven comes into your life even more than it is right now. If this is your first time, a special welcome to you. My name's Wilson, I'm on staff here at the church for the Young Adult Ministry, and we have a gift for you out on the atrium. There's a, there's a little uh, kiosk that says welcome on it. And if you'd, if you'd stop by there, we have a little welcome bag for you. It has a Starbucks gift card, some other good stuff in it. But most importantly, we just like to meet you and say hi face to face. So stop by there before you leave if this is your first time or if you've just never been there before. In addition to that, we just launched a little house group info welcome center type hangout spot and our our idea behind this is that the house groups that are part of this church are a really um driving force and we want to open it up to give people a chance to go and meet people in the house groups and and then take a step and actually go visit one sometime so if you've never heard about house group before stop by one stop by the house group corner and um hear more information about that all right Last thing I'm going to say before I tell you a couple announcements is that we will be receiving the offering later in the service, and there's just going to be billions of dollars that are given, I already know. So get ready, get your checkbooks out, um, Vineyard Northwest, there's an app, and just let your thumb do the talking, okay? Like, just punch the numbers and don't stop. And there's also two, um, two little boxes in the back that you can drop your offering in in case, it, in case you miss the basket as it goes by. So we have cool things coming up this summer. First thing I want to highlight is our Open Heaven Kids Summer Camp. This is led by Sarah. Is Sarah in the room? No, okay, but Sarah has actually just let us know there's, there's more spots available. So if anybody would like to send their kids, it's elementary age camp to the, the summer camp um, get them in. Like, don't, don't even think about it. This will be a transformational week. This will be an awesome week for your kids experiencing God's presence, learning about their identities, learning how to pray for the sick. And this will really be a week they'll never forget. I know for me, my, um, youth group camps I went to in the summer were like a real anchor point in my faith when I kind of fell away and and wasn't following God. Those experiences I had at camp were something I couldn't deny and something I always kind of went back to. But the second thing I want to say about camp is that we need more counselors. So if you would like to give up a week of your um, summer to be a camp counselor, we'd really appreciate that. There's a stipend. There's pay for it. And we're we're even really flexible with you. So like there's one guy who goes to UC and has night classes. So he's going to leave camp. It's just like 45 minutes away um, to go to those classes. So if, if you're in a situation like that, you'd like to be a counselor, if you're not sure if it would work, just email sarah at vcnw.org. Again, that's sarah at vcnw.org. We'd really appreciate it. All right. Last two things I want to highlight. We have a class called Hyperdrive starting this Wednesday. This is like kind of our basic membership course as well as our um, five-step prayer model training class. So in this class, we talk about the history of the vineyard and, and the history of this church, what our values are, what we believe our mission and vision is. Uh, and then we also dive into how to pray like how Jesus prayed. And just, we actually get our hands dirty and pray for one another a little bit, learn about healing prayer and um, the get of prophecy. So it's a really great time. It's only two weeks. Van and Lori and myself, those are my parents, we lead it together. So if you've never been to a class like that at this church, It's free. I'd really encourage you to be there the next two Wednesday nights. Who's been a part of Alpha before? Man, that's awesome. Alpha is one of the core ministries of our church. We're hosting a picnic at Corian Park this Friday on June 30th, and we're going to be having hot grills, hot dogs, hot everything, okay? Hot soda pop, hot brownies. Everything's going to be hot. It's hot themed, okay? Okay. So come hang out at the Alpha Picnic. If you're interested in being a part of it, and if you've never been a part of Alpha before and you'd like to be a part of it for the first time, or if, you're, if you have been a part of it and want to connect, come to this picnic. It'll be really great. It's at 6 p.m. at one of the shelters in Corian Park. All right. At this point, I'm going to welcome up Luke Hazelmeyer, my best friend, to come up and give the message. It's going to be great. I heard it first service. And um, I'm just getting a whole new pad of paper to take notes this service. So come on up, Luke.
3: Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Again, my name is Luke. I serve here in the Young Adults Ministry House Group. Got five house groups that originally started out of van and Lori's basement we have a dry ridge house group as well that recently started on off a of dry ridge road not in dry ridge kentucky in case you're wondering <laughs> off a of dry ridge road um, in cold rain that meets on thursdays all of them are just powerful guys doing great stuff through them and you know i've got a message prepared this morning but van and laurie are out of town and will and i have got control so <laughs> what do you guys want to do <laughs> Van will regret giving us this weekend. No. <clears throat> Take that off the podcast, Alec, all right? <laughs> okay. So, yeah, summer. You guys enjoying your summer so far? It's great. Man, the weather yesterday, beautiful. Wow. Yeah, I don't usually like to do things outside, but Jamie and I <laughs> Jamie and I just walked around our neighborhood yesterday. It was fun. We, we saw Wonder Woman a couple of weeks ago. That was... Okay, got some Wonder Woman fans in here. You know, I'm not much of a moviegoer, personally. I prefer TV shows, like I prefer just to binge watch The Office, or or even like, um, in, oh, my dad. So, <laughs> people think I'm really lame, but I acquired a lot of my dad's uh, TV show preferences growing up, and so I love Star Trek The Next Generation, I love Everybody Loves Raymond, I love Seinfeld. So... That's that. But anyways, I love TV shows, but we went to see the movie. I usually don't like to go see movies. It's I just feel like I'm trapped for like three hours. And <laughs> like, oh, I have to sit. But, but we found a movie theater that I do. Because, you know, I really like fine dining. I mean, who doesn't like fine dining? But I really like getting served food and drink. And we found this movie theater up at the Liberty Center Mall where you sit down in this like, huge chair. You have a tray, reclines all the way back, and they literally come to your seat and serve you a full-course meal and drinks while you watch the movie. So that's my kind of movie experience, and, <laughs> and that's what we did when we saw Wonder Woman. Um, so yeah, our summer's going great. And uh, <clears throat> we're opening up this series, Praying from Heaven's Perspective. And... I just wanted to start off by asking you all to consider some questions about prayer. Like, when you think of prayer, what do you think of? Or even more so, when you hear about prayer, what do you feel? Do you feel excited about prayer? Or maybe, do you feel angry when you think of prayer? Numb about prayer? Also, what should we expect prayer to be? These are some of the questions that we hope to answer in the next couple of weeks. But I want to start off just by giving a very baseline definition of what we believe prayer is. Here we go. Prayer is communication with God. It's not a ritual that we do before we can eat our food. It doesn't matter whether we're kneeling or not. Prayer is communication with God with a person it's it's not it's not presenting requests to this amorphous distant entity it is talking to a person that's what we believe prayer is and i think there are three kind of components of prayer the first one is us initiating communication with God and this is what Paul is talking about. Paul was a church planner and one of the guys that wrote some of the books of this Bible. Not just this one, but the Bible. And this is what Paul says in Philippians 4 Don't worry about anything, instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. So, part of prayer is us initiating communication with God, but an equal part of prayer is this. God initiating communication with us. I mean, how can we call it a relationship if it's just one-way communication? If I'm the only one talking to God and he never talks back, that's not a relationship. A relationship involves two-way communication. And I think that was part of the point that Jesus was trying to make in John 10 when he says this. John 10 verses 3 through 5. The sheep who is us, recognize his voice, Jesus, and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. And they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. So what this metaphor is saying is that just like a sheep can learn to hear the voice of its shepherd and distinguish it amidst many different voices, so we learn to hear the voice of God. A a shepherd primarily is there to protect the sheep from predators, but also to provide the sheep to lead them to the next patch of grass. And when a sheep is first brought into the flock or fold or Whatever the term is for plural, sheep. Does anybody know? Okay. Flock. Flock. What did I say? Never mind. (laughs) So when a sheep is first brought into the flock, it probably won't be able to distinguish the shepherd's voice very well. But the more time that the sheep spends with the shepherd, the easier it is for the sheep to distinguish the shepherd's voice. Same is true for us, that at first, hearing God's voice can be a little tricky. We can think we hear him and we didn't, or we can not think we heard him, but we really did. But the more time that we spend with him, listening to his voice, the better we're going to be able to distinguish his voice from other voices. And so God initiating communication with us is just as important a part of prayer as us initiating communication with God. But then there's a third component to this and it might sound heretical at first, so give me a second to explain it before you throw stones. Third component. We communicate as God. Yeah, I see your faces right now. We communicate as God. So there's us initiating communication with God. There's God initiating communication with us. But then there's a third part of prayer which is us communicating as God. And Here's what I mean by that. In biblical times, kings would rule over kingdoms, which would be simply a collection of cities. And when the kings would issue a new decree or a new law, they wouldn't go around themselves and proclaim the new decrees and the new laws because there was no Twitter back then. So they had to use horses and people. And so it wasn't... The king, that would go around, but he would send a messenger, and the messenger would have a letter stamped with the king's approval, stamped with the king's authority. And the messenger would go and not tell everyone, hey, the king says this, the king says that. The messenger would say, this is the law. This is the decree. The messenger would speak as the king because the messenger had the stamp of the king's authority. The same is true for us for those who are in relationship with Jesus. The scriptures say that we are stamped with the seal of the Holy Spirit. And that stamp gives us the authority to speak as God into certain situations. This is how physical healing works. And this is why we teach people to pray command prayers when we pray for physical healing. Now, at first, the idea of praying a command prayer can be strange and foreign because we're not used to praying as God. We're used to praying either to God or listening to him to talk to us. And so I've seen people starting off trying to pray for healing and trying to do commands, like fall into like accidentally commanding God to do something, you know, and it's innocent, but like, God, do it right now in Jesus name. Right now I command you. It's like, you know, we don't want to command God to do anything. When we pray for healing, we're not commanding God, we're commanding the body. We're commanding the ailment. If someone's got a sore back, I am not saying, God, heal the back right now. I'm saying, back, I command you to be healed. Not because I have power in and of myself, but because I'm stamped with the authority of him who gives me the ability to speak as him into this situation. So a third part of prayer is speaking as God. And this is what Jesus was, this is what the biblical author in Matthew 10 was talking about. Matthew 10 verse 1 says this, And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. We have been given authority to heal disease and to cast out demons. And, and you might say, oh, well, this was just for the twelve. How do we know it's for us? Well, a couple chapters later in the Gospel of Luke, after Jesus sends out the 12, he sends out 70 more and says the same thing to them. Then you might say, well, how do we know it wasn't just for those 70 and it's not for us? Well, at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus commands his disciples to spread the gospel to all the nations and to teach the people of all the nations to obey everything that Jesus taught. That's the discipleship call, to teach people to obey everything that Jesus taught. One of the things that Jesus taught on was heal the sick. So we are to take that and teach it to people all across the entire world. So we can communicate as God. So in the series title, Praying from Heaven's Perspective, that's kind of the praying part. There's two parts to it, praying and Heaven's Perspective. And the definitions of prayer that I just gave, that would kind of fall under the praying. But what do we mean when we say heaven's perspective? Why didn't we say God's perspective? Why didn't we say Jesus's perspective? There's a reason for that. We probably could have said God or Jesus, but there's a reason for why we said heaven that we're going to get into in later messages. But what this idea of praying from heaven's perspective is about is praying with the right beliefs. Praying, not just praying, but praying while believing the right things. And here's why. <clears throat> the way that we communicate with somebody is indicative of what we believe about them. Let me say that again. The way we communicate with someone indicates what we believe about them. Or how we communicate with someone, or how we, what we believe about someone affects How we communicate with them. For example, when I was 18, I got five speeding tickets in one year. Terrible. Um, Thanks, Mom and Dad, for paying all of those. Uh, You guys are great. (laughs) Five tickets in one year. And every time I would get a ticket, I would be like, okay, if I can just say the right thing, and be polite enough, maybe I won't get the ticket, you know? (laughs) And so, like, for example, when, when, uh, when the police officer would walk up, I would be, like, extremely polite, more polite than when I talked to any of my friends, than when I talked to Jamie, my wife, don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but extremely more polite than when I talked to Van, just sirs, yes sirs, no sirs, all of it. And I don't usually talk like that, but the reason that I would be so extremely polite is because I believed in that situation, if I could be polite enough, and if I could be respectful enough, then maybe I wouldn't get the ticket. Also, I would rehearse exactly what I was going to say. You know, I don't talk to I talked to Jamie like that when I got engaged. I probably rehearsed it, although a lot of it was spontaneous too. Uh, My wedding vows I rehearsed. If I do something dumb and I'm trying to get in her good side again, maybe I'll rehearse what I'm going to say. But that's not how I talk. But in that situation, I rehearsed what I was going to say to the police officer because I thought if I can just say the right thing, maybe I won't get a ticket. Do you see how what you believe about a situation affects how you communicate it, 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 and how you communicate indicates what you believe. And so the question I want us to ask ourselves is what do our prayers say about what we believe about God? The way you pray, if someone were to listen to you pray, what would they think you believe about God? Because our prayers how we pray will indicate what we think about God. This is the, what we mean when we talk about heaven's perspective. And so what I want to go into is what I think, I think an error that we can make as we think about prayer. A way that we can pray that isn't believing heaven's perspective. And so I think that a lot of times when we pray, we pray as if we are petitioning a politician to Make some policy change that we want, okay? Like, and I'm going to explain that more, but while I was preparing for this message, I was looking for some really good petitions. Even if you don't know what a petition is, it's where you, you are petitioning a politician to do something. And if you get, you know, 100,000 signatures, and it can become official, and they can consider it. And it's trying to make change as a, uh, just as a civilian and so I went online and I found some, some really serious petitions that figured some of you might want to join. And if you do, you can look it up and you can put your signature on there electronically. So here are eight really serious petitions. One, bring back 3D Doritos and pudding pops. <laughs> That's pretty good. I don't think I really liked 3D Doritos, but pudding pops, man. <laughs> Second one. Change the national anthem to R. Kelly's 2003 hit, Ignition. First, when I read this, I thought it meant keep the lyrics the same, but use the melody from the from the uh, R. Kelly song. Uh, never mind. That one had 11,000 signatures. Like, okay, people, you're weird. Oh, next one. Here's real, real practical, easy one to accomplish. Number three, convert at least one national park into a dinosaur clone park. Yeah. <laughs> great. These are, I kid you not, these are real petitions people are signing and sending into the government. Okay? Number four, end daylight savings time. Can I get an amen to that? Come on. <laughs> I like it in the fall. I hate it in the spring. So just... Oh, here, number five. Here's a great one for everything. Uh, Nuke everything. (laughs) I don't have a comment about that one. Number six, make Friday officially part of the weekend, creating a more balanced four-day work week and three-day weekend. Boom. That would be so great. Oh, this next one would be really great too. Number seven, secure resources and funding and begin construction of a Death Star by 2018. (laughs) Any Star Wars fans in here? Number eight, ban sporks. Come on, just choose a spoon or a fork, for real. Why do you have to combine the two? Okay, so those are real petitions. If you want to sign any of them, I can give you a link. Just talk to me afterwards. So, you know, of course, I'm kidding. But But in reality, I do think a lot of times the way we pray is kind of resembles the way that we would do a petition like it might start with hey if I can just pray a really convincing prayer to God maybe he will act in my favor and then that doesn't work so okay I'm going to be even more convincing and give God like a five-point essay on exactly why what I'm asking him is a good thing and that doesn't work so okay maybe if I just pray every single day for a year, maybe then he'll do what I'm asking him to do. Kind of like what you would, you know, maybe if I send the politician a letter every day, maybe if I get 50 other people to send the politician a letter every day, maybe they will make the policy change that I want. I think a lot of times this is how we treat our prayer life. If I can just convince God, if I can just pray uh, enough if i can just get enough people praying then he'll do what i want him to do now there's nothing wrong with praying every day for something and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that but what it, when it becomes a problem is why we believe what we believe that's causing us to pray that way okay the the reason we're praying that way is what can be problematic and so i want to ask a question like Why do we feel the need to convince God to act in our favor? Or even beg God to act in our favor? Why do we feel that need? And here are three reasons that I came up with. One is that we don't think we are good. Meaning, we think that there's a part of us that is bad, inherently flawed, deserves being punished. And so we don't think God would grant us what we're asking Him. Because who are we to ask Him to do something for us? Maybe you feel like God is punishing you for a mistake you made in your past or a mistake that you made recently. And that's why a prayer isn't being answered or that's why something's happening and you're asking Him to make it stop and it's not stopping because He's punishing you. Well, here's what I want to say. All punishment for sin was completely dealt with on the cross. There is no longer any punishment for sin. This is what the biblical author Peter is talking about in 1 Peter 3.18. This is what he says. For Christ also died for sins once for all. The just for the unjust. So that he might bring us to God. Having been put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit. That first phrase. For Christ also died for sins once for all. Everybody say once for all. Once for all means once for all and never again. So God has never punished anyone for sin since Christ, and he never will punish anybody for any sin for the rest of existence. So if you think that God is punishing you, I want to tell you that God's wrath for sin did not make it through the cross. Now, reaping what we sow, meaning Experiencing the negative consequences of our actions, that did make it through the cross. So if I decide, you know what? I, do, I protest traffic lights now and I'm just going to do whatever I want. I'm probably going to get T-boned at some point by a car and that is not God punishing me. That's just me being stupid. Okay? So sometimes we blame the effects of our stupidity on God punishing us and really just don't be stupid anymore. Sorry, I'm not, not me. <laughs> I'm not meaning to offend anybody, but I'm talking to myself. Like, I do dumb stuff, and I'm like, God, what are you doing? He's like, I didn't do that. So, so like, we can experience the negative consequence of our actions, but it's not God punishing us. There is no more punishment because of the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Second reason we might feel the need to convince God to act in our favor is because we don't think God is good. You know, you don't need to convince a good king to do good things. It's in the king's nature. Just like you don't need to convince a dog to bark. A dog just barks because it's who a dog is. In the same way, we don't got to convince God to do good stuff because that's just who he is. And so I don't know why a lot, there's so many reasons why someone could Uh, Start to doubt the goodness of God, or not believe that God is good. It could be that we read about Jesus and we're like, "Oh wow, this Jesus guy is great." And then maybe I'll read his other book, and so then we go to the Old Testament and we're like, "Oh, whoa, okay, I I don't know if I like God anymore." You know, and and that that can be a vow. I mean, that's valid, or maybe. Maybe something happens in our life that's tragic or painful and we think God did it. And so, wow, you know, I just, God just, I don't like him anymore. He's not a good guy. Whatever the reason, when we don't think God is good, we do, we will try to convince him in our prayers to do good things because we already don't think he's good. And so we need to appeal to him somehow to get him to do a good thing. And the scripture I want to read for that is Hebrews 1. I want to start off just by reading half of verse 3. Because this is the key verse. So Hebrews 1.3 in the NCV says this. The sun reflects the glory of God and shows exactly what God is like. The Son is Jesus. Jesus reflects God's glory. Jesus shows us exactly what God is like. What does this mean? This means while everything in this book is inspired scripture, there are no errors in here. And what I mean by that is that there's nothing in there that God didn't want to be in here. This book is the word of God. It is Jesus, which we read in here, that shows us what God is like. And if we find something in the Old Testament that contradicts jesus we have a choice to make do we either let what we read back here cause us to doubt who jesus revealed himself to be or do we say you know what i don't understand this i'm going to ask him about it someday but i choose to believe what i know about god and how i see and what i see through jesus you know i didn't read the whole passage but the very beginning of it says that god spoke long ago You don't got to put it up there, John. God spoke long ago to the ancestors of Israel in many portions and in the prophets. But now he is spoken by his son, who is the exact representation of his nature. So God did speak. He did start to show us what he was like, but it wasn't until Jesus came that we could really see exactly what God is like. And so... As you're looking at your experiences in your lives, ask yourself the question, would Jesus do this to me? And if the answer is no, then you know God is not doing it to you. How many people did Jesus say, hey, you know the sickness you have? You need to keep it for a little while longer so that you can learn this valuable lesson that I have for you. I guess all but Peter's stepmom who... Um, or his mother-in-law who had a fever and then Jesus came in and said, hey, I'm not going to heal you right now because um, you need to learn something still. It didn't happen. It says he rebuked the fever and it immediately left and she was healed. In fact, you can't find anywhere in the New Testament where Jesus turned away somebody for healing because he said you need to learn something still. This is an idea that does not come from the scriptures. This is an idea that we make up to explain painful situations that happen in our lives. But the truth is, if God, if Jesus is the exact representation of the nature of God, and Jesus never turned away anybody for healing, God never turns away anybody for healing. Now the question is, well then why doesn't everyone get healed? That's for next week. I'm (laughs) Sorry to give you a cliffhanger. I'm giving the message again next week, and what we're going to focus on specifically is, how can we have a, all-powerful God and a good God and evil still happen. So if you want to hear that message, come back next week. But God, until then, put aside any questions you have and just believe God is good. God is good no matter what's going on. If it contradicts Jesus, it's not God. Enough said about that. And so then the third reason that we might Pray in such a way that it seems like we're trying to convince God to do something is that we have a flawed understanding of the goodness of God. You know, some people will say that uh you know, this so let me let me give you a hypothetical scenario, okay? Some people will call this the goodness of God. A child gets sold into the sex slave trade, but then that child somehow has an interaction with some of the um fellow slaves. And leads them to Christ. And then we say, oh, see, God had a reason for allowing that to happen. And um, it was good that that happened. Because look what the result was. And we have this, you know, it can sound right. But it just feels like this distorted view of God's goodness. And I want to tell you all what I believe. What I believe is that God does not need to use the devil's means to achieve his ends. I had a friend who, a roommate a couple years ago, who his family had a tragic loss, or his nephew died. And after it happened, the entire family prayed around him to raise him from the dead, and it didn't happen. And with tears coming down his eyes, he told me, Luke, I, we're so broken about this, but I see now why God didn't raise him from the dead. And it's because our family really came together after that. And really, well, there was division, but now we're unified. In the moment, I did, it wasn't right to go into any kind of like a theological debate with him. So I just was there comforting him and praying for him and encouraging him. But everything in me wanted to say to him, dude, God did not need to kill your nephew to bring your family together. God did not need to, or you might say, well, God didn't do it, but he allowed it. Same thing. God did not need to allow your nephew to die to bring your family together. He could have brought your family together and unified your family a thousand different ways than that. And I believe that evil is black and white. I believe that there are things, I'm not talking about when you pray for a new car and it doesn't happen, okay? If you think that God isn't good because of that, then we want, you know, we want to help you deal with those. So Wilson's going to be over here afterwards. (laughs) He will talk with you and pray with you about that. Okay. I'm not talking about that, but there is evil that is evil and that even God can't do it or allow it and still call himself good. Okay. I know that is a very bold statement and that's, going to be the main topic I talk about next week. So I'm really giving a plug. Come back next week. Hear me again. Okay. But I believe that there is evil that is black and white and that if it happens under no circumstance, do we attribute it to God? Okay. If we have a flawed view of the goodness of God, then we will probably try to pray or beg him to do something good. Now, what I want to say about that is that even though God didn't do or allow whatever evil thing happened for a purpose, he is so ridiculously redemptive that he will take any evil thing that happens to us in this broken world and somehow work out good through it. But that is different than him doing it or allowing it. Okay? That is different from him doing it or allowing it. That's what this scripture means in Romans 8. It says Romans 8:28 says this. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. God works all things together for good. Notice it doesn't say that God causes all things to happen. It says that all things that happen, God works those together for good. And so I think about my own mom um, she has been struggling with a sickness for decades now. She's on the upswing right now, but Lyme disease has really just stolen decades from her life. But what she has done amidst that is in learning it for her own healing and in um, ex- and just, and what she's experienced, she has been able to help dozens of other people who are going through the same thing. And that is an example of God's ridiculous redemption that what the enemy meant for evil in my mom's life, God took and has allowed good to come from it. And that's amazing. I celebrate that. But not one time did I look at God and say, God, why are you letting my mom suffer? Why are you causing my mom to suffer? Because I know he's good. And really our attitude needs to be, God is good even if I don't understand it. If you wait to fully understand everything in life before you can declare the goodness of God, you're probably never going to think God's good. Because believing God's goodness, it's, it's not a logical thing. It is a basic conviction of the believer. That the God that would send his own son, imagine anyone who's a father or a mother in the room, sending your own son to die, the God that would do that that would sacrifice himself to get us without us doing anything to deserve it, that's the kind of God that we serve and that we love. And he's good, and he does not use evil to bring about good. So, with that said, I want to share three practical takeaways, three things that I hope that we can all agree on after this morning. And the first one is this. When we pray, we need to talk a little bit less and listen more. This is going way back to the very beginning of my message, okay? When we pray, we need to talk less and listen more because, yeah, God loves it. I, God, I think God loves it when before we eat, we say, God, thank you for this food, bless to our bodies, In Jesus' name, amen. I think, he, I think he likes that, you know? But what if we said, instead of praying that way before we ate, what if we said, God, we're going to take 20 seconds and just listen, see if you have anything to say to us before we eat. That's one for free. You guys can take that one. So talk less, listen more when we pray. Second thing, stop trying to convince God to do something. He's good. We don't need to, when we pray, persuade him. You know, I hear this a lot. And like, God, would you please heal this person so they can more effectively do your will? If they had both use of their legs, they could go out and do When we pray like that, what we're doing is we're saying God needs us to convince him to heal this person. He doesn't. God is good. We don't need to convince him to do good things. And the third one, we need to stop attributing tragedy to being part of God's plan. God's redemption, yes. Yes. We need to believe that he's going to redeem the most evil things that happen in our lives far beyond what we can ask for or imagine. We need to believe that. We never need to attribute it to being part of his plan. He didn't say, hey, I'm going to do this so that this can happen. This happened, and now God's going to take it, take the ashes, and grow something beautiful from it. So with all that said, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up and the ushers to come forward. Let's just take a second to pray. Jesus, we love you. Yeah, we just ask that you just come and continue to pull on our hearts and be here with us. It's so amazing just to be here in your presence and be among family. Everything that we don't understand, please help us understand it, but if we can't understand it in this life, give us the peace and the conviction to hold on to who we know you are in Jesus name amen so ushers you can go ahead and start receiving the offering they might ask you to pass a basket down at your uh, left so thank you all for thank you for all of you that give I don't know if you know this but Vineyard Northwest doesn't have any other source of revenue except for giving. We're not like, you know, selling CDs or anything to make money. Our whole budget gets covered by giving. So all of the outreaches that we do, the Sunday morning services, the house group costs, the dry rich house group costs, everything that we do, SOCOM, it all comes from your giving. So thank you for participating in ministry with us in that way. So, once the basket is totally by you, why don't you stand with me? We're going to spend some time in worship. Uh, Like always, feel free to come down to the front. If you've always wanted to but never did, this is your time. You have no excuse. Come on to the front. And let's just spend some time worshiping God.